The story of Australia's first peoples is the oldest continuing human story on Earth. This podcast series presents a collection of first peoples voices, sharing their experiences, achievements, hopes and beliefs. These are the real stories of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australia. Hi, I'm Mayra Sonta and you're listening to The Real Podcast Series. In this episode, I'm chatting with the deadly Luke Curry-Richardson. Welcome to The Real. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for coming in again and having another chat with us. Thanks for always having me in these spaces. You love coming and have a chat with us, I know. I just love being around blackfellas, (laughs) having a yarn and... And I'm really appreciative of all, all that you do for me, having me in an, in a podcast, the NAIDOC in the city. Um, uh, yeah, just having my back, I guess, out here in the independent world. So I really appreciate that a lot. Oh, we um, are very grateful that you do all that work. Um, <laughs> and that's what we're about, you know, empowering and inspiring Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people through all the different works that we do. But particularly love sharing stories. And you're a storyteller. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it. I am. I am a storyteller. People have asked what I do, and um, I think in the easiest way is to say I'm a storyteller. It doesn't limit me to one genre. Uh, allows me to explore m- all of them and any of them. And uh, I think I got pigeonholed at one stage uh, as a dancer, and that that really worried me a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so much more than that. I, I could leave dancing and, and I kind of have in a sense I could leave it and be fine with that. But as long as I'm still touring, uh, telling stories somehow, uh, that's that's where I'm passionate about. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And labels are terrible things at times, aren't they? And yeah. they make you think about yourself in different ways and other people, as you say, pigeonhole you in different ways. And I've loved seeing you just spread your wings <laughs> since um, your time. Phenomenal dancer at Bangara. Obviously, everyone would know you from that. And... Um, lots of other pieces of work um, since then, but you've been gallivanting around the world, telling <laughs> stories, using social media to empower our mob and First Nations people right around the world. I'm surprised we even got you in here today. <laughs> oh, I caught that early morning. I was at 6.55 train from Canberra. So, um, no, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Any opportunity to be able to have a yarn, is, is, is oh, I'll take that up for sure. Yeah. So, tell us about your mob. My mob, oh, okay, so my Aboriginal heritage. Um, my father's side is a Kukiolanji Jabukai man, uh, far north Queensland there. Uh, my mother's side, she's a Mananjali bachelor, so that's Bow Desert and Fraser Island as well. Um, my Torres Strait Island heritage, which I w- was quite lucky to practice a lot since from maybe the age of 10 in Canberra, is um, the Sunset clan on Mare. So Murray Darling, that's my grandmother's side, so yeah. That's my heritage. You have so much beautiful bloodline flowing through you from all over the country. You'd have mob everywhere. <laughs> it was when I was dancing with Bangara. It was um, I thought I would, you know, I'd be the face of the family, you know, like dancing on stage around the world. But sure enough, everywhere I went, you know, you're a Jeffrey Jeff Richardson's boy, or you're Alicia <laughs> Curry's son. So sure enough, yeah, I got mob everywhere, and they they know they know the family bloodlines, you know. The Currys are a famous footballer, um, Uncle Tony there, Uncle Alan, sorry, and and cousin Tony. So, um, yeah, and then Dad's side is just uh, just Dad, kind of really empowering fella. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting about uh, our age. I think we are our 
parents' children a lot of yeah. the time. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I suppose it's how you come to know people. But I'm really proud um, to know your parents who have done so many great things. I was lucky enough to travel with your mum doing the constitutional recognition yeah. dialogues right around the country. We were on TI together when I got a phone call <laughs> that was pretty upsetting. And she was like, my mum that day, give me big Aww. cuddles. So just a shout out to your mum and dad for raising such an impressive young man that we're all very proud to know. Oh, very lucky. Um, and one thing I love about you is your such pride in culture. Um, and yeah. so you've obviously practiced that through dance, but to explore culture through multiple platforms um, as well, performance, um, online, you're very much known for your Instagram, um, you know, wearing your <laughs> um, Aboriginal T-shirt flag and, you know, being my proud. Colors, yeah, my, my paint up there um, yep. with uh, Magara, the Magara paint up there that uh, Darren has allowed me to wear, which is uh, absolutely blessed, you know, I think. That's what I'm more proud of, actually, where being able to wear those those type of paint ups. But yeah, that's the that came before the flag and in the contemporary version. So kind kind of honoured to be able to do that. Yeah. And you're lucky enough to have had um, to have grown up with culture. Yeah, well, from the age of ten, um, ten, and that's, it, that's a that's a tough one um, for me because I constantly feel like uh, I'm always battling connecting to culture. You know. There's not been one, or maybe when I was born till about the age of three, I lived in Cairns, but I've never really lived on country, and I've been quite, uh, and and then till I moved to Canberra, which was probably about 10, 11, when I started to dive into the Torres Strait Island stuff, but the constant challenge of how do I connect to these cultures, mainly North Queensland cultures, um, far north New South Wales, southeast Queensland um, heritage, I guess, bloodlines and how do I connect to these cultures while being off country? How do I learn my language? How do I learn my dances? Um, keep traditional practices alive while, while I'm away in, in the city, in the big smoke, you know? And that's um, another big shout out to Muggera, you know, Darren Compton's from the same kind of, the same area with family there. And um, I, I hold that dear to me because I, I'm one of the lucky ones to be able to practice dances from my grandmother's country on my mother's side here in, in Sydney, away from country. So. Uh, in a way, Darren and, and Magara were a huge lifeline for me after I left Bangara and actually we don't know what I would do without them, which is uh, a bit emotional inside because culture is such a huge thing for me, yeah. And can you tell us a little bit more about that? Why is culture so important? Um, I don't know. It, I, I've, just, I've just got returned back from Canberra and trying to figure out how, how I feel fallen into this role or found my this footpath I guess you know mum and dad have never ever forced anything upon us they've led by example but I always remember being quite frustrated at a young age that all they would talk about was work and um, in the morning to school it would be work in the car on the way home it'd be work and then and then I started to realize that work was life life was they weren't going to work to you know uh, you know, stack shelves or anything. Life was the political fight that mum and dad were doing day in, day out. Um, even if it was housing, when mum was on Stradbroke, wherever it was, but it was always about helping mob. And I I think I started to really realise that when I went to Naysdor about 18 years old, you know, I didn't quite grasp the importance of what mum and dad did till I left home, really. So, um, and then get diving into all of all of it, just knowing the, the history behind our peoples not being able to be proud of it, I guess, you know, it was, it was shunned. It was something to be quite 
uh, ashamed of. Uh, people would claim Indian heritage, you know, because that was more accepted than being Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Um, and now I'm just really unapologetically black and I will wear that flag everywhere to make, you know, people, all my colours, you know, I'm just currently doing a video with um, Walking Sydney in, in my paint up, you know, barefoot. And um, my mate from from uh, Canberra, he, he was filming it and we were walking through Martin Place and a lot of people were staring and he was getting quite agitated. He's a non-Indigenous fellow and he was getting quite uh, agitated at people staring at me in my paint up and he was like, why are they staring? And I was like, mate, either way, it's a good thing. Either they're really uncomfortable with a, a black man showing pride in his culture, walking around the city, or they're admiring it. And either way, I'm doing it for myself but for both of them for those ignorant people that are kind of shunning me like that that's to a big f you to them and uh, for those to be able to see our culture on show in the city as well so just to let people know that our culture is still here and sub surviving so yeah i'm not too sure what your question was i just went on a little rant but <laughs> no it was about culture and you've talked about it and why it's important and yeah. it's um how you displaying culture no, how culture is important to you intrinsically and how it makes you feel but also externally to people who get to see you representing and portraying your culture definitely and, and it gives it gives me meaning you know i find people find it hard to find meaning in life and I, I wake up every morning trying to be the best ancestor i can be at the end of that so um, regardless of that being dancing or storytelling or consulting, whatever it may be, you, youth work with uh, another, f- like some foundations, uh, um, whatever it may be, the ultimate goal I- is to be the best ancestor at the end of my time and whatever comes underneath that, that has to feed into that ultimate goal for me. So, yeah, it gives me purpose. <laughs> Tell me about your time at NASDA as an 18-year-old. Oh, man, um, NASDA 18-year-old. It came after my uh, a contemporary stint with uh, some of you might know her, Jacqueline Cornforth, uh, proud, proud. Uh <laughs> Jacks gets shout outs on the reel all the time. <laughs> Such a legend. Yeah, so um, I've got a tattoo on my right wrist and she has the same one on her back. So she led me down the path of contemporary dance. Um, uh, without her, I definitely wouldn't be uh, the person I am today. You know, she played a big role in, in I guess, uh influencing my contemporary style of storytelling um she she got me along to a uh, youth ensemble called quantum leap or ql2 now and i was like come on you you've done your traditional dance with um garib sick there in canberra come try this out and at the time i was a basketball player so i was like nah a little bit hard-headed and she's like nah come on let's go and i was like okay well went and did it and um i kind of from there, I was like, well, if I'm going to try contemporary dance, the goal is, the end goal is Pengara via Nasda. I knew all these places because of the, inst- like, because how important Pengara is to to our mob. And um, anyway, that youth ensemble uh, season went well and it's got great feedback. And then I was like, all right, well, me and Jack, let's audition for Nasda. So and sure enough, we went up to, I think it was Gosford at the time, and we auditioned up there and uh, we got in and... Yeah, I think it was 18 turning 19 and it was the f- first full-time um, tertiary institution, I guess, and first diving into the arts world, you know, from a sporting background, rugby league family, uh, grew up playing basketball all my life and here we are. I'm in the arts world, completely oblivious to what's going on, ballet, tights, contemporary. Oh. 
Yeah. Can we have a throwback photo to put up yeah, on social sure. view in tights back at 18? <laughs> sure, there's a cheesy um, head <laughs> over the shoulder headshot. Like, I like the one you just did. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that didn't see, I did a little look back, in for, like a little show there. Nah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, it, w- it, was, it was challenging because I came into, I went to NASDA looking for, oh, I got it. I got the, uh, what do you call it? The, the foot into the world of contemporary dance. And it showed me um, what I needed to do to be at Bangara. But at that stage, I was around a lot of people that were from remote communities, regional communities, that were also looking for a leader. And I somehow became a leader within my group. And I did, don't think I deserved it at that time because I, I was still looking for my, a leader myself and not knowing what to do. Um, so we did it, had a great first year and the second year come along and I was like, oh man, there were people asking me questions I have no idea about. Like, how do I, I, I can't be this person they want me to be. Uh, and I made the choice to audition for a university now. So um, I auditioned for QUT up in Brisbane, uh, Queensland University of Technology, the Bachelor of Fine Arts and Dance Performance. And I, I consulted with Jax first. I was like, let's audition. And we both auditioned there as well. So she had my back. She's been with me the whole contemporary way, you know, so the contemporary dance way. And we both got in. She got in for the education stream. Uh, I got in for the performance stream. So at the end of our second year at NASDA, we, we left NASDA and we moved up to Brisbane together and um, embarked on this other complete other journey now. So I'm here I am in at NASDA as um, this, I guess, people looking up to me as a leader, uh, big fish in a small pond, if you may. And then I go up to QT and I'm just absolutely still that big fish, but in the ocean of the universe not even of the world you know no one's kind of paying attention to the black brother in this white institution and uh, the way he works isn't the way they work or the way that they're, they're used to um, and I'm drowning I'm drowning pretty bad pretty yeah struggling uh, got to my third year started my third year and borderline like I'm about to about to quit throw throw the towel in here i'm not made out to be a, a contemporary dancer uh, good old centrelink payments are just i don't even know how much i was on but i remember one day very clearly the day um it was a wednesday morning and i i used to catch the bus out from redland bay for any of you that know where the brisbane is redland bay is not technically part of brisbane it's like the shire outside and like you drive a little bit in and it's like welcome to brisbane you're like okay um, my cousin, he had a um, had a disability where he six months of the year he would be in a wheelchair, and then the other six months he would be out of it. So I would be out there to help him and do that, and we both kind of helped each other there. And um, I woke up at a ridiculous time to catch the bus in, and I hadn't had breakfast, and I went to I had two cards, and I went to swipe one, and I had negative five dollars in it, and the next one was like three or four dollars for the next week and a half and that was like breaking point like I was like I'm done I don't I'm not made out to for this get to rehearsals and it was like a ballet class followed by three hour rehearsal lunch I had no lunch because I had no money followed by another set of three hour rehearsal followed by a lecture and then another after school rehearsal and in that time I had a missed call from Stephen Page 
And I straight away squeezed, like I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble because the tutors there, the lecturers, they, they pulled me into the office a couple of times saying that, hey, the way you work isn't, isn't right, you know, I see you sitting on the side and observing, you need to be up and doing it, you know, like, and I'm like, well, that's not how I work. Right. I'm sorry, but yeah. I thought he was going to tear me a new one. And long story short, after hours, he uh, gives me a call and he offers me a traineeship at Bangara. So kind of like literally light at the end of the tunnel, breaking point, he gives me this, this, uh, and he, yeah, kind of, I guess, saved me at the right time, which is kind of crazy. So, yeah, I think you, the first question you asked was, tell me about my time at NASDAQ. I absolutely love NASDAQ. I did at the time. I, I got to go to remote communities. I got to experience the Yungwu culture. I went up to, um, where, where did I go for my, my cultural, oh man. And I went to Saibai and I forgot where I went for that first one. It wasn't Elko Island, it was off Elko Island. We flew into Elko Island, but it was the homestead of the cultural tutors at the time. So, um, and an experience that uh, it was my first, second time into a remote community. So my first Aboriginal, my second time into a Torres Strait Island community. And that's what drives me. That's the passion, you know. You can walk anywhere here in, in Sydney, anywhere, and you can get that contemporary dance experience. You can walk into a ballet school or a contemporary school and you can get that and share that with non-Indigenous people, but you go up there, that's the stuff that gets me, like, excited, you know, like, let's go, let's do this, like, let's practice these dances that are thousands and thousands of years old that have been done for generations before white men have come here, you know, like, let's do that, let's... So, um... I absolutely thank Naza for those opportunities and, and, and at that age to be exposed to that was, uh, I guess, that first spark, I guess, of, of that, that, that inspiration to keep going back into community, yeah. And so began your time at Bangara. How long were you there? From 2012 to 2000, what was last year? 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that. We can't even remember what day of the week it is yeah. at the moment. Many years. Um, many people would know you would have seen you perform not only here in Sydney but right around the world yeah. um, in communities um, that there would just be have you ever stopped and kind of done a list of all the places that you've traveled and performed yeah international mainly but uh, yeah yeah I do a little list here and there just to see places I've been and pinch myself about how much of the world I've seen which is sounds crazy I haven't technically seen much of it but I've seen a lot yeah because a lot of people haven't seen much of our own country and learned the lessons from all the people yeah. um, in community about the storylines. It's very kind of urban centric. So even just sharing the experiences that you've you've been right around the country in some of those communities would be powerful, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. And, and those remote communities are my highlights. You know, I've, I've performed uh, sold out shows in New York, Paris, Istanbul, Turkey, Germany. Um, but it's those basketball courts performances in remote communities uh where were we the anzac park on, on thursday island um i got to yeah those are the ones that are are important i guess you, you know these people in new york see contemporary arts day in day out you know and but these mob back home in, in those communities they don't they don't see that so that they were the ones i hold hold quite close to my heart you know and seeing how they react and it's nice. The the rules of rules of theatre etiquette kinda go out the window there. You know, you got <laughs> dogs running up on, on stage, you got birds uh, pooing on, on stage. Uh, 
aunties and uncles shouting out to you. So that that that's really nice. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like live theatre yeah, combined, it is. <laughs> isn't it? And it's kind of a nice bringing together of your basketball background at the oh, same time and, the, and your dance at the same there's time. There's the segue, there's the basketball <laughs> I knew I'd get it in eventually. <laughs> I just played my first game in a couple of years last night, um, bit sore, but yeah, still got it apparently from a few of the follow um, spectators. <laughs> still got it. Still got Ooh. it. There you go. Heard did it, it didn't, didn't know I had it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tell us what your experience um, is like as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person today, walking around. Man. We know that you're very proud, but you walk in a very different skin to a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and you wear culture so proudly. Yeah. How is that experience walking down the streets of Sydney? Oh man, I don't know if I'm going to get him in trouble saying saying this, but um, uh, yeah, I think I might get him in trouble here, but my father, he was saying... Uh, he's kind of like an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Yoda, you know. He says the right things at the right time and gives you kind of this worldly advice. Um, even if you don't need it, it will somehow come in at the right time. And uh, a bit down at one stage, he's like, you know. And granted, I, I understand that everyone's lived experiences are quite unique and different. You can't compare. But he was saying, you know, like, um, white people think walking in this world is quite hard. Imagine being indigenous and trying to walk in two worlds, you know. They, they've created this world. This is the world that their ancestors are used to. This is not the, our world. So imagine that. And I, I, I really, I really kind of identified with that in a sense, you know. I, I might look like the fella that walks around figuring it all out and, and knowing that he's got everything figured out, sorry. But at the same time, you know, day in, day out, how, how yeah, how do you walk in both worlds to be to bridge the gap in in one sense, but how do you stay culturally true to yourself away from country? How do you keep that alive? Um, But also how do you address these problems to the whiter community? Yeah, and I guess, man, not palatable is not the right one, but yeah, just trying to figure out, you you can tell by my speech right now, uh, I still haven't figured it out, but how do I, how do I be, I guess, palatable for the Westerners and the, and the white mob to go, oh, this guy's approachable to his teaching us while not being so aggressive, which I don't think, I think aggressive is also much needed in our mob, but, and how do I stay t- true to, to our people as well without being a sellout? And that's something that I quite, I try to, you know, like I say, I wake up trying to rep mob day in, day out, and I hope I'm doing the best I, I know I'm doing the best I can, but I hope I'm not trampling on anyone's feet at the same time. But yeah, it's just, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, especially in city, in the, in the city. Um, we've got a nice little crew here, nice little click with uh, the indigenous community. And like I said, you always invited me in these spaces and, um, and that's really important for a lot of mob that are away from, from country and family. So, um, like even BP here, Jeffrey and uh, Jonathan, sorry, and Jacks and like a lot of my friends here, Marcus and Shani, are, are people that aren't from Sydney, and that's our, I guess, again, our contemporary clan here in Sydney, our of creatives and artists, and that's the kind of inspiration I draw, you know, from the people that are closest to me, and knowing that they're going through the same thing, like they're walking the streets of Sydney away from country, but trying to stay true to the mob and trying to fight the good fight. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to navigate here in Sydney, I guess. 
Um, we know your intentions there. <laughs> oh. that, that that's you know it is difficult. Yeah. I think for any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person to live in those two worlds <laughs> and try and navigate a space that's set up in a Western construct and yeah. try and feel like you're doing the right thing by your family and community whilst kind of dealing with all of the other colonial kind of paradigms that are at pool every 100%. single day and in all sorts of decisions all of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long as your kind of heart is pure and you're trying to do the right thing by of your course. community, I feel like you can't really go wrong. Yeah, and it's just the journey of cultural learning, you know, it's... I, f I find it hard that people have knowledge of culture but don't share it and um, I'm all about sharing and opening, uh, like being open to learning as well. So we've got to kind of, I don't think we're, there's a saying at the moment and a lot of people might disagree with me and that's okay because we're a very diverse kind of mob. Um, but the saying that it's not my job to educate you when uh, a non-Indigenous person asks a question and I actually don't think we're in a time where we can afford to not educate ignorance because if we don't educate people that don't know, then the white system is educating them and the white system hasn't worked for our people. So unfortunately, we need to carry, I, I believe that we need to carry that until there is a time where everyone is educated. You know, we can't push out people that are willing, wanting to learn or their ignorance might still be there and they might ask that question, but hey, you might still educate them in that opportunity. And if they don't listen, they don't listen. But I believe that we need to educate everyone that reaches out, regardless of how tired we are. Um, our ancestors were hella tired. We're really tired and I'm tired, but we still need to educate. And that's, that's the job I do, I try to do via storytelling yeah yeah that's it and i've seen you being very busy particularly online through digital media and sharing yeah. stories right around the world i know that you're um learning about a lot of a lot of first nations cultures elsewhere you've just come back from yeah. um you're in new york recently <laughs> canada, you're in canada yeah. as well um so tell us what you've been up to and what sort of projects you've been doing oh my so my most recent one was with uh uh, when I left Bangara, I wanted to work with two choreographers and I had the opportunity to work with one of them in uh, Genoa Gila. Yeah. Uh, huge inspiration. She was my fourth year, her, her final year at NASDA when I first, uh, my, my first year at NASDA. So I've always kind of idolised her, the way she performs and... Um, was a host of Move It Mob Style just uh, <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's done actually uh, uh, so many things that kind of inspired me to try and do everything you know she's an air guitar champ she's uh, uh had a first one woman show with um uh, my Uruguay, uh choreographer Kier award winner like you said a host of um a tv show dance program uh, kind of everything is, is is possible when you try to take up as much space as possible and that's what i've learned from her you know um her her goal is to take up as much space as possible in all, in all these mediums and I want to be right by her side and, and have as many people with us. And she's like, I don't want to open the door, I want to kick the door down. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll back you up there, I'll kick it down with you. So let's let's do it and let's bring everybody with us. Um, that was my most recent one over there in, um, they call it Turtle Island is the what the First Nation Canadian people call it. Um, an absolute blessing. I got, um, when I was first starting out traditional dancing, uh, I, I grew a lot of inspiration. I took a lot of inspiration from not only my mob, but uh, um, the Māori, uh, the couple hackers over there, the Mary Monarch Hula competition in uh, in Hawaii, and um, yeah, the Turtle Island mob, the, the powwows over there, and 
uh, to be able to witness that. It, I got invited into a drumming circle. Uh, man, it, it, it's powerful to have those kind of cultural uh, connection and, and being let in actually, you know, because how, how precious our culture is to me. Um, them letting me in to practice some of their cultural practices is just, yeah, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. You know, the contemporary side of things aside, you know, those little bits of traditional aspects that I got to witness over there was uh, made it all worth it, you know. The contemporary stuff was absolutely fun as well because G is about playing games. So the the, the show we did was, was about playing games in the sense, improvise and got to just go for it. <laughs> have fun she was i just remember when i was working with her she was just such a beam of energy like yeah. everything she did was just like pow yeah. amazing so i can imagine touring with her would be a lot of fun and yeah an absolute talent now international travel what i love about that when you visit other first nations communities you can feel at home somewhere else in the world with other first nations people and i feel sorry for non-indigenous people who don't necessarily get to feel that because yeah. the the connection to culture, the communal values, um, the taking care of the land, yeah. um, just the fight yeah. that 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 connects us all internationally because it's so similar, yeah. um, is very powerful. It is, and and one of the hosts over there, he was like, "How do you how do you guys feel? You know, you've been away for a while now." And I was like, "To tell you the truth, I feel like home. You've made me feel at home. You've welcomed us. You've fed us. You've housed us. You've." We've been in and out of the studio, breakfast together, dinner together, and um, I, d I didn't feel like I was overseas at all. So um, there was moments where I'm like, oh, wow. And then you're like, oh, yep, here we are. We're in Canada. There's a possum. Uh, what do you call them things? Squirrels and bloody, oh, my God. Yep, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere else entirely. Yeah. So what's coming up next? Um, well, what is coming up next? I've got no idea. A lot of dancing with Magara. That's kind of my, I find that when I don't dance with them, I, I kind of, I get lost, you know, it might only be a little 15 minute gig here and there or, you know, in a, in a contemporary setting, but just, I guess, feeling those uh, stomps and those, hearing the language and painting up, it, it kind of brings me back down and you're like, oh, there we go, here we go, and this is what I'm doing it for. Um, I'm heading down to Melbourne quite soon on the 15th of November for the Nagami meetups, uh, that's Actually, the uh, I'm quite excited about that, but I also bought myself a new lens uh, for the photography s side of things. So um, it's something I'm trying to get into more so is um, photography and videography. So if you've seen the socials, my social media, I'm pumping out a lot more video just to teach myself how to, I guess, make these videos that I have in mind. I've so um, yeah, Nagami Meetup is the next, I guess, the next big thing. Um, uh, and dance rights, I think, as well. So um, that's something I always look forward to, seeing all the mob bring their dancers up, you know, uh, put the competition side of things aside and um, just to be able to witness mob from all over and to bring it in the middle of Sydney and see Torres Strait, Central Desert, uh, Victoria mob, WA. Hopefully there's some WA mob this year and just share. Oh, man, that's... It's, it's a good. Awesome it's event. such a good two days, huh? And just to, it, it's nice to see so many black fellas. It's it's nice. It's it's really nice, and yeah, and just to see how they do it and hear hear their language or hear their songs, and 
it, it's nice. It's really nice in the backdrop of the city as well. And you're like, man, we're here. <laughs> we're still here. We're making noise and we're not going anywhere anytime soon. And the other thing I love about that is um, the performance right at the Opera House in yeah. the middle of the Sydney, in yeah. the middle of Sydney. <laughs> In the city, um, there's not many cultural places for you know international guests when they come to city. Where do you go to see Aboriginal people? Yeah. Is a question I hear all the time when you have travellers visit. It's like, well, we're everywhere. Oh, that's um, it. It's not a place that you go and see or a living, breathing people. And but to be in that space with so many blackfellas, it's so culturally safe. And to see culture yeah. being practiced in such a significant place, in particular, is yeah. Congratulations to Annie Roda for yeah. um, just another one of her <laughs> amazing creative feats. Um, and opportunities to, you know, continue to practice culture. Yeah, no doubt, of course. Um, now, you talked a little bit about social media. So, tell us um, <laughs> what your goal is with, through social media and sharing your voice digitally. Man, uh, when, I first, when I first started doing it, it was, it was to connect, mainly to connect with the next generation. Um, one of my feedbacks with one of my traditional dancing videos is uh, someone wrote, it's nice to see you dance with so much pride. The next generation does don't dance. They don't dance like that. And I was like, well, it's a, it's a bit unfair because we, you know I didn't see my mum and dad dance unfortunately, and and I had to seek that out. And they dance from a place of shame. Them younger dancers, the next generation, or, or even people in my generation as well, and even the ones above, because we're still trying to learn and reconnect to that that side of things. So um, for me, it's to connect to like-minded mob around the country tell stories but also show the next generation that man this is how it's done you know like this is one way of how it's done be proud in who you are i'm on my journey to try and connect to culture uh as well in the city but i'm going to go out there and dance my hardest and, and you don't need to be a, a dancer to try and take up traditional dance that's the biggest thing i think people are you know, I was like, you should try this out. And they're like, oh, I can't. I'm not a dancer. I was like, well, no, no. You're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person. You're a storyteller. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. So chuck that Western idea of dancer away. Get that away and go with heart, blood and DNA first. Because you get up there and you dance. And there's no right and wrong in traditional dance, you know. That's what I, I love about it. Your expression and, and the way you dance is, is the way you dance. So get up and give it a go and, and for me it was the way I connected to culture it might have been dancing but for me it was also language uh, stories practices as well um, even if it was a little bit of language here and there but it was how I kind of I might not be able to speak it but I can sing a song in language and for me that's keeping some aspect of language alive you know so um, but the main goal is to try and showcase culture and I, it's not about the followers my messages would still be the same regardless of how much how many people follow me i'm not here for you know free things or whatever it is i'm here to make sure that i speak to my mob first and foremost i know that my demographic is quite niche and i'm not going to be 50,000 million followers up there but i'm going to talk to my peoples and that, that latest list I put up is, is a good example of that, you know. I want to connect with all these festivals, both artistic, uh, art, arts festivals, arts, arts festivals, sporting festivals, political, uh, youth, all those type of festivals. I want to be able to get into these communities. So I've created a little, I guess, a bucket list of Indigenous festivals around Australia. Great idea. Where at first I'm going to try and 
get myself there but if any way shape or form i can find a job photography videography and just being able to be in communities everywhere and showcase that then that that's that's what i'm going to do so yeah so all you mob who work in festivals around the country you know where to contact get your brother get Get your brother in them communities man (laughs) I'll come as a dancer. Oh, man, I'll clean up rubbish if you need me. <laughs> Sight man, doesn't really matter. Yeah. MC, you can do all those oh, things. Oh, yeah. Um, so what piece of advice would you like to give our young ones who um, perhaps might be struggling um, in their identity, in their walking of two worlds, um, yeah. in their sense of self? What kind of message would you like to share with them? Oh, man. Just, just talk about it. Ask for help is the first thing. Um, we're all hard-headed, proud, black, you know, black peoples here. Um, and I only recently, well, recently, like late last year, only first time asked for help and, and fighting with two bouts in, in my knowledge of, of depression. Uh, and it took me till I was 30 to ask for help from a professional. And I left that place and I was like, what am I, why, why is everyone, what's the negative, ne- negativity with social, uh, with this uh, idea of mental health, you know? It was just like I went and got a checkup and auntie that looked after me, she was like, oh, you know, we're going to only talk for two hours this first session. And I was like, that's a long time, mm. two hours. And before you know it, it was like two and a half, two, two hours and 45 minutes later. And she's like, we're gone way over. I was like, whoa. But it felt so easy and it was good and it felt like a lift off my shoulders. Um, know that you're not in the struggle alone, walking these two worlds, and know that this world has not been made for us. So the struggles you feel are okay. Everyone, I think everyone feels them and we're all juggling at, with them at the same time. Um, but ask for help and even even ask me, you know, if you do follow me on Instagram, I, I'm, I'm not going to turn someone away if they're going to ask for help or how do you do it or whatever that may be. So wherever you can, ask for help. Walk, stand tall, walk proud. I've been told I walk like an angry man getting in a fight and they've mistaken that with pride and purpose. So walk like you're going to smash them door down with me and G and we're going to go into the next generation powerful as all hell with our mob by our side and take up as much space as possible and yeah it's okay it's gonna be okay you know it's gonna be okay beautiful advice um both culturally but also thank you for sharing kind of your story and vulnerability um you know mental health is very important in our communities i don't think we talk about it enough and share our experiences and there's definitely no shame in having those kind of conversations and taking care of each other out there so and thank you for creating that space as you say this world is not made for us but we can all make a difference in our worlds, um, whether that's through sharing pride, ch- traveling with community, connecting people, um, yeah. you know, talking on a podcast. We're all just creating that world that makes it just a little bit culturally safer well, for all of us. That's what's also one of the biggest things for me on social media is that if we, you know, there's not enough representation out there, let's create it. And that's what I'm trying. Like I go home and I look at YouTube and how to create a TV show, how to create a vlog, how do you create this? How do you, because if it's not out there, let's do it like, you got these platforms for free. You got the YouTubes, you got the Instagrams and stuff like that. Facebook. What's your demo? Don't don't go in it for making money. Do it for that positive rep- representation for the next mob and let them make the money in the future so we can create that path. So yeah, let's keep going. Great advice. There you go. Everyone go out, create it. That space that's not there. Create if you want to do future. it, go and do it. Yeah, 100%.
Luke, thank you so much for joining us on The Real for the second time, but you'll always be our number one. <laughs> Thanks for having me always in these spaces. I really appreciate it. And we'll keep following you online. Yay. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Bye. <laughs>